Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Oh, That is right, because today we continue Friends Pitching Fantasy. For those of you that have just stumbled onto this episode, welcome. Today is a very important day for the history of Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast because we are picking one of the next books that we will be reading on the show. If you had tuned in on Sunday, we had Dylan pitch three different standalone fantasy novels, and I had picked And now today, I will be pitching three series, uh, books, not series, standalone fantasy books to Dylan, and Dylan will have to pick one. And it's worth noting that they may not be standalones, but they are books that can be read, and it's a contained story, whether it's part of a series or not irrelevant we're just pitching the one book and that is why we are here today also something very exciting at the end of this episode i will have picked a book from dylan's pitches dylan will have picked a book from my pitches and we are going to determine the order the reading order on the show through a very exciting not to be missed virtual coin flip i don't think so charles you don't think so i've been thinking about this i was like why don't we just Put a Twitter poll. And miss the virtual coin flip that everyone is, I know like, I know the listeners love hearing us flip a virtual coin. It's the best part Zoom of a coin call. flip without the coin. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't see the coin, but you can see two people reacting to the fact that there isn't really a coin anyway. There's just a virtual thing that we found on Google. <laughs> and then we tell you whether it was heads or tails. I know that that's the most exciting part of Friends Pitching Fantasy. But I thought, Charles, what if we take it to our social media following and see what do they want us to read first? And I think that's more important than the excitement of the coin flip. What do you think? I think that's interesting. We just have to get the timing of it right because I don't know if it matters if we're spoiling the Friends Pitching Fantasy episodes of what we choose or not. Um, so it would have to air. I mean, thankfully. Luckily, we have lots of Wheel of Time books lots to read. Of, we have that. like <laughs> six weeks before we have to read one of these stories. Yes. So it's not like that crazy. So, all right. Yeah. I'm. I'm fine. I'm happy with that. I think that's a good idea. You know, we've yeah. always been trying and to evolve out of the coin flip, but back when we were just <laughs> releasing episodes into the void and it was just the two of us, it's like we need some way. But now we could take it to Twitter. That's true. Yeah. Thanks to I all you listeners out there. All you listeners and all our wonderful Twitter followers and especially those who are both. So that's right. I think that it's probably time and, and something we can do Charles too is not spoil the results of the Dylan episode where I assume we haven't said it yet. I have said one. it. 
Oh man. I said you edit that beginning. out. Potentially. We can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but All I right. did well, spoil it. Let's try to not spoil it again from here on out and give you a potentially easy job of editing if you do choose to do that. Cause <laughs> Appreciate I don't that. know. That's what this is what it's always been about, Charles. Is you're always mon- the one episode I know Charles is watching the downloads of is comparing the, the episode that's <laughs> okay. a Charles episode to the well, episode. You that's get a the Sunday episode. release, which is prime time. So <laughs> is it though? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure that's enough podcast logistics for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Though there's never enough podcast logistics for the wonderful dachshund of our podcast, Charles. <laughs> and it's the wonderful dachshund of our podcast, Charles, who will be doing the pitching today. And I'll decide which of the three books we'll go with. So, Charles, which are those three books? Well, I have three very exciting standalone books for you today, Dylan. And I just got to say, before I get into it, that you got your work cut out for you today, almost as much as I have my work cut out for me attempting to do justice to some of these literary classics. The first being, let's just, you know, get it out there, The Hobbit or There and Back Again by this author called J.R.R. Tolkien. Never heard of him. (laughs) <laughs> then uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we look forward to seeing what he's uh, gonna have and then we have a wizard of Earthsea by ursula k lee Gwynn. you know another Gwyn. classic it's part of a longer you know series of books but it's a contained story and so that's why i'm picking it and then we have jonathan strange and mr norell by Susanna clark yeah I mean, obviously The Hobbit, despite my claims, I've never heard of it. An absolute classic in the (laughs) genre and one that I'm a little embarrassed to say that I still have not read. And pretty short, right? I could crank that out. Right? I mean, and people who have been listening a long time know that I have a reputation sometimes for being a little bit of what Treebeard might call hasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't always go all the way back and, and read the classics. And luckily, Charles and, and some others, uh, <laughs> with help from folks like Stephen from Anthology and stuff, have dragged me kicking and screaming into enjoying <laughs> all of these great classic fantasy works. And, and you picked a, a bunch of them here, Charles, and I'm sure you did that pretty deliberately oh yeah and hobbit <laughs> right yeah i mean it that's a big one wizard of Earthsea is one that i know we have just uh, i mean wise fool let's let's say his name he's yeah. a, a big fan since day one has been doing a lot of the work pitching this to me <laughs> before you ever got around to choosing it as your pitch so mm-hmm. i i mean that's one i i'm super excited to get into and then jonathan strange and mr norell is uh dare i say it pun fully intended a strange pick from you charles because <laughs> i don't think you've read that one yet and every single book that we've ever pitched on the show has been read by the person pitching it yes is that correct this is a friends pitching fantasy first and the first just for friends talking fantasy uh, i'm going to be pitching a book that i have not read and you know we're talking about standalones 
And, you know, I was trying to pitch a bunch of books that I think would be good, not just for you, but for the show. And I was like, man, a lot of these Dylan has read before and we've talked about already. They've come up on the show a lot. But this is one that has been at the top of my TBR list for years. And I just saw this as an opportunity to flip and read it already. So that's why I snuck it on here. And it'll be an interesting pitch for sure, but I feel pretty good about it. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I've structured this in such a way that um, we cannot really go wrong. You know, getting you to read Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time has been perhaps my greatest contribution to the fantasy community. <laughs> so Maybe to the world. Maybe, maybe. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm very excited about that and just the opportunity to sneak The Hobbit in here. You could not resist. And, you know, you talk about standalones. I mean, this is like the standalone i get it's like the like a considered a prequel to lord of the rings but it's really its own story it was written first as a contained thing and it kind of spiraled into lord of the rings <laughs> so happy to pitch it and then earthsea and another literary classic that has come up amongst on the twitter sphere quite a bit especially wise fool as you mentioned has been campaigning for this one for a while so i was like what a great opportunity to sneak this one in here as well and i'm going to get all into that into my if we're ready into my into my pitches yeah i am super ready i really charles sometimes we go in and i think this happened in my episode where you had an idea it sounded like but yeah. you just said at the end which one you were really leaning toward um and i've definitely had moments like that going in charles where i'm like look charles is gonna have to kill it with one of these other pitches for me <laughs> not to pick it's like when you went with Lord of the Rings, it was like, okay, well, I do kind of have to read that. <laughs> so this time, though, Charles, I really am going in with like yeah. no idea. No, I'm excited too because three. I honestly have no. Like, I usually am going in like, oh, I know, like, I can get a sense of where Dylan's brain's gonna go with some of these sometimes, but in this one, I have no clue. Like. I started out with a mission and then it kind of spiraled. And now I'm like, now it's to the point where it's like, I have no idea which way you're going to go. So, uh, which is awesome. I mean, cause the, it's the pitches have never meant more than yeah, they do right now. Charles. I would so say that, you know, it's we get into them. Yeah, I know. I know. I, there's a lot of pressure on me this episode because like I have to convince you of one. And I also have to pitch the Hobbit and a wizard of earth. See, so let's just, um, how about me? I have to pick one against the other. <laughs> and Jonathan Strange. That's right. So let's just go ahead and address the dragon in the room here. Ooh, and re and the elephant. <laughs> the, there's no there's no oliphants in Oliphant, I mean. in this series, but I still don't think there is. Uh, and that is The Hobbit or There and Back Again by J.R.R. Tolkien. And Dylan, this is it. This is it, okay? Your reading of Lord of the Rings is not done. You're almost oh. there. <laughs> You're so <laughs> close. I mean, what's... How can you even... You know what The Hobbit is. It, it was published in... Never heard of it, though. It was published in 1937, and it has gone on to be just one of the quintessential fantasy books and the standalone fantasy book. And did you know, a little friends talking fantasy statistics here, that two out of the two authors we have interviewed on this show have cited The Hobbit as an early influence? We have the 
friend of the show, Mark Lawrence, who said certain scenes of The Hobbit may have inspired him for certain scenes yeah. of Book of the Ancestor. Interview might be generous. For what we, <laughs> we emailed him some Mark questions. Lawrence. He replied. We read him on the show. Yes, it's a quasi interview. <laughs> yeah, and then author of daughter of author <laughs> daughter of flood and fury, author of daughter of flood and fury, Levi Jacobs. You know when we Spiffbo asked him what finalist? Yes, Spiffbo finalist. So there's a little family uh, friends talking fantasy yes. family here going coming around. Um, when we asked him, you know, what got you into fantasy at all? He said it was reading The Hobbit over and over again in grade school. So you right. have to ask yourself, like, what is going on in this story that has inspired fantasy authors for the past, like, 90 right. years? It's just the quintessential fantasy story. Um, I want to take a moment. You know, I knew when we were going into Lord of the Rings that you're you're very much like a modern fantasy guy. You're always the roguelike fan and you're always the grimdark fan and a lot of your influences in fantasy like George Martin and Joe Abercrombie have a very different flair and style than Tolkien right I I know that and we right. read through Lord of the Rings and you put respect on the name Tolkien which everyone appreciated but you know when we did the should you read we you had a few criticisms <laughs> mild things mostly things- ruffian focused yeah. <laughs> some and en- some and en- there was Criticism some meandering well. in the story, detailed descriptions, extended dialogue, and I have to tell you that, you know, all of that that you've described, the detailed descriptions, extended dialogue, is replaced with playfulness and wittiness. It's uh, Tolkien himself has admitted that The Hobbit is a fundamentally different kind of book than the Lord of the Rings trilogies. And based on your tastes, I believe all these changes are for the better. The story is tight and contained and relatively short. There's not much room for tons of description. Um, there's not much room for these side plots that go into a lot of detail that you may not see the relevance of in terms of <laughs> plot advancement, you know. It's more focused on just this charming fish-out-of-water story starring Bilbo Baggins. You know him, you love him. Happy guy, arguably representative of the average Englishman at the time. And then you have Gandalf coming in, whisking him off on an adventure. Um, It's definitely rooted a lot more in classic fantasy. You have elves and dwarves and goblins and wizards, but... It doesn't like Lord of the Rings is when he expands into things like Ents and Oliphants and like all these other things. I would definitely say Hobbit is a lot more focused on classic fantasy elements and he doesn't expand on that as much until we get into Lord of the Rings. So you're going to get a lot of these really classic fantasy elements. You know, it's not cynical. It's not self-loathing. It's just a charming, fun story. And we get to see Bilbo kind of react to everything that's happening around him you know it's surprisingly a modern in that way of taking a modern for 1930 (laughs) 1937 uh character and putting him in a classic fantasy tale and that's the story that we get i mean there's it's funny at times there's clever riddles you know and you get to see kind of where the influence for lord of the rings the most influential story in fantasy ever gets its genesis and we're talking about reading a short standalone story i couldn't think of a better choice so dylan finish your readings of 
Tolkien besides, you know, the Legendarium or the Samarillion. Like, finish The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Get that under your belt and choose The Hobbit. That's my pitch. That was quite a pitch, Charles. Thank you. I, I'm very impressed. <laughs> and you definitely pitched to... You definitely tailored the pitch to me, I feel, right? Yes. You're basically like, it's like Lord of the Rings, which you're a red, but it's shorter. <laughs> um, with less landscape descriptions and uh, hopefully no ruffians. So, Zero I mean, ruffians. yeah, look, Charles, I I kind of know what I'm dealing with with The Hobbit. I could sit around and ask you a bunch of questions to go through the exercise of it but uh, you know it's it's Tolkien and it's the Hobbit and if I'm reading it I think I'd be reading it because like it's time to read the Hobbit more than anything I think you did an interesting job I honestly say I think your experience of it will be more enjoyable I guess than Lord of the Rings maybe and that's simply because it's um you know it's a children's story right it's at the time it came out, You're it was a category the, for juvenile fiction or something like that, and juvenile fantasy, and um, and I'm juvenile, so <laughs> in many it's ways, a fit. <laughs> except age. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Charles. Definitely has me won over to call me childish during your pitch, but it's, I think. It's time to move on to Wizard of Earthsea, which I think is a story that uh, is often also like given to children and like more young adult, right? If I'm yes, it is uh, also a children's story that kind of transcends into just popular fantasy. It was written as like a children's story, but I mean, it's like a people read it like take a scholarly approach to it you know so it's like um why pretty... fool is taking a scholarly approach to it i felt like definitely and about it. you know it's and i'm gonna get into it in the pitch but yeah there's a lot to there's a lot of like subtext here that can be read into and discussed which is a huge benefit of a wizard of earthsea by ursula k le guin so very exciting stuff coming up here now I'm going to start my pitch how I wrote it, but it kind of feels like we already got here. But The Hobbit's a tough (laughs) act to follow. But if any series is up for the task, (laughs) it is a Wizard of Earthsea. Not the first time we've discussed Wizard of Earthsea, as we know. You know, we talked about it heavily on our Kingkiller Recommendations episode. Um, The book has often been described as, and this was a word I learned from that episode, uh, Buildings Roman, a coming-of-age story as it explores the main character Ged and his process of learning to cope with power and come to terms with death. Some pretty intense themes going on here. The novel also carries Taoist themes, which Weissful had mentioned, about a fundamental balance in the universe of Earthsea, which wizards are supposed to maintain closely yeah, which they're supposed to maintain, closely tied to the idea that language and names have power to affect the material world and alter this balance. So fans of King Killer might pick up on some of this mm, naming stuff. I'm a fan of King Killer. And you are a huge fan of King Killer. So <laughs> um, the structure of the story is also similar 
to that of a traditional epic, although critics have described it as subverting the genre in many ways. And I know you're a big fan of the subversion through works like Abercrombie's First Law trilogy. So, I love a good I mean, subversion. You've, you've got, you got King me. Killer influence, you've got First Law influence, and then you also have this storytelling-esque prose, a wizard school, and then you have subtlety, nuance, and beauty told with a restraint that can be easily overlooked by the casual reader. So I think there's just a lot of really exciting conversations to be had in this series with you and me. And, you know, we can talk about all different kinds of subtle themes and nuances that Ursula like masterfully wrote into this book. I will also say that at 56,000 words, it's by far the shortest series that I'm pitching today. Um, I think The Hobbit's around 90,000, and then Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell is like (laughs) 280,000. So, like, there's definitely, yeah, it's 95,000 for The Hobbit. Wow. Yep, so there's um, something to be considered there as well, in case you did not know. Another, I, I wanted to pull also in two heavy hitters in the fantasy world for this one also, because this gets a lot of attention from fantasy authors. I mean, everyone knows The Hobbit and loves The Hobbit, but this one, you know, you've got people talking about it. And one of those would be Robin Hobb. You may remember Robin Hobb from my tweet that got liked by Robin Hobb on Twitter. It's no big deal. That's what she's most known for, right? It's it's, it's not the Farseer trilogy that she liked one of your tweets. Was it Farseer? I thought it was Wizard of Earthsea. No, I'm saying that Robin Hobb is most known for liking one of your tweets, not for writing the Farseer trilogy. She wrote the Farseer trilogy, but it was my commentary on Wizard of Earthsea that that drew her attention that day. Yeah, so. and brought her to prominence in the yeah. fantasy community. Yeah. Correct? yeah, so you may remember her from it's that. You may remember this. her from Twitter. Um, <laughs> yes. Not that book you read, <laughs> that best-selling <laughs> book that you read. Um, yes. So she says, Did, do you ever reread books that your long-ago self-loved? Do they stand up to time? This one definitely does. I know it doesn't need another five-star review from anyone, but if you're looking for a book to introduce a youngster to Fantast, this is an excellent one. It has stood the test of time very well. The language is lovely. The challenges our young magic user must meet are solid ones. And whilst it hints of more adventures to come, it stands very well on its own. Recommended. And that is from Robin Hobb. We have another reviewer in the mix here. Friend of the show, Mark Lawrence, has some thoughts on Wizard of Earthsea as well. Ursula is undoubtedly an excellent writer in terms of prose and imagination. She uses the language with powerful economy. and so she says, he says, um, A Wizard of Earthsea is a short book compared to the 400,000 word bricks George R. R. Martin or Rothfuss put out. <laughs> and he mentions that Rothfuss looks to be, like, has pulled some influence, a magic school where our sole point of view character is educated from child to man in a form of magic where the true name that gives, where the true name of things gives power over them. So he's citing those King Killer references that we had picked up on as well and he says um the magic is mysterious powerful and used with restraint the world is interesting and it's a classic for good reason 
So, Ooh. I mean, what more do you need to say about a Wizard of Earthsea? Wow. What more? I was super impressed by that pitch. I know we say that after each pitch because <laughs> we're nice guys, but uh, <laughs> and because you always do a good job, Charles. Thank you. Job. You do. You do. Um, and you did an especially nice job with that one, I feel oh. like. And you drew from some great sources, but you also... I think your your own words were very strong on it as well. I something that caught my attention there, Charles. I don't know how much you can speak to it without spoilers, so you know, say what you can mm-hmm. and don't what you can't. And death is a big theme in this. Like, there's like existential themes in it. Can you say any more about that without spoiling anything? Um. Well, let me think about that because. In the Wizard of Earthsea, like, the main character is essentially, you know, he's, at first, you know, it's about his idea of power is the other part of it, right? So, he's kind of on a quest, he's kind of hungry for power and knowledge, and the story kind of kicks off when he goes maybe a little bit too far, and then he has to kind of correct it. So he's kind of coming to terms with like how powerful is too powerful. And like mm. I have to face certain things to correct it and all stuff. You know, I don't want to get too into it. Yeah. But like it gets to that level. And there is this idea of, you know, having to potentially face some sort of power like death you know like that's kind of what he's okay. kind of looming over the story i don't want to get yes. too far say no it. more Tra- yeah. i know i put you in a tough spot <laughs> which is why i tried to give you the out of like that's a big theme to tackle without spoilers and you the did the themes it in the wizard of earth sea are like yeah. very high level in terms of like their intensity like their epicness you know it's like power death i know coming of age you know like it, it takes on these grand themes and it does it well but then there's other things you can kind of pick apart throughout it as well that are very interesting right well i'm a you know i'm a big theme guy mm-hmm. charles i'm i'm big on character i'm big on theme i'd say bigger on both of those than i am on plot i think mm-hmm. sometimes you and i run into in our friends creating <laughs> fantasy sometimes where we run into ish we always resolve it well i think um and sometimes it'll be like you want this cool scene and I'll be like, ah, but would that mess with the theme we're trying to drive home? I know we <laughs> ran into that on our episode where we improvised the darkness of power. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, there's something to a book that has some juicy themes. And and I, gosh, I don't know, I'm tempted. I'm very yep. tempted by, I'm tempted by the theme of power, if not by power itself. <laughs> very well said. Well. That leaves me with nothing left but Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell by Susanna Clark, a first in Friends Pitching Fantasy history because I have not read this. So I'm going to start with a really quick back-of-the-book blurb here, and then we can go from there. So in London, 1806, a dangerous battle begins when two rival magicians, the scholarly Gilbert Norell, intent on reviving a centuries-old tradition of magic, and the young and reckless Jonathan Strange, and their dark arts are unleashed into the politics of the Napoleonic Wars. 
Published to critical and popular acclaim in 2004, the novel was Time Magazine's Book of the Year. And I will also add it was a Hugo Award winner as well. So you got some series of awards here for this book. And from what I've read, I get the sense that they are well-deserved. One of the things that drew me to this story, more than obviously that it tops a lot of lists of like not just best standalones, but best fantasy books. Right. I've also been getting the sense that Suzanne Clark is kind of like an author's author. You know, Uh what... What's interested me quite a bit is the praise that this book gets from other fantasy authors. Most, like some of the ones that I've come across are like R.F. Kuang has mentioned that it's one on the top of her recommendations list. Neil Gaiman has said you he couldn't praise it highly enough. And then you have Brandon Sanderson, who's like on live streams mentioned like how jealous he is of <laughs> the writing prowess of Susanna Clark and what she achieved in this story, wow. which is like, to, that piqued my, you know, interest. I was like, wow, this is something I should be checking out, <laughs> you know? For sure. um, to contrast that, I've often seen this book described as a slow read and there's always like this small percentage of people that are like, I couldn't finish it or giving it low ratings because it was so long and slow. But anyone, like including all these great authors and the large consensus for this series is that it is slow in the beginning, but it is beautifully written and fast paced in the second half. So people are saying it once this gets going, it rocks and it's not even like um that beginning half is it's slow in terms of plot but from what i understand like her detail and her language and her characterization are like super good so i mean it piqued my interest it's also serves on this list as kind of like the palate cleanser the other two are very traditional fantasy books they are also kind of written for kids and then this one you have like a historical fantasy almost it's supposed to take place in the Napoleonic era, 1806 in London. So you have this like period piece of fantasy written by an author who is Times Magazine's Book of the Year, won the Hugo Awards, and earning praise from all these authors that we've loved. Um, There's also a BBC series that's out that was on Netflix for a while. It might still be on Netflix that we could potentially watch as well. Sounds very exciting. And it's prestige in the world of literary fantasy is just not something that we should ignore. And that's why it interested me. And that's why I brought it to the table for you today. Well done, Charles. I'm very impressed by your ability to pitch a book that (laughs) you haven't read. I guess I was always, (laughs) I was always one pushing way back for like, Oh, should we pitch books we haven't read? I don't know if we can do a good job. But you, Charles, you have <laughs> proved it was proven possible. me wrong. Thank there you. Because that that intrigued me a lot. I like this idea of like a fantasy author's fantasy novel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, meaning a fantasy novel that fantasy authors particularly enjoy. And, you know, we're not fantasy authors, but I like to think that we've read enough where we'd be able to appreciate some of what is being done uh, mm-hmm. in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. And I, I've also just kind of, from being a fan myself, listening to other podcasts, watching all that stuff, yeah. I've picked up on that sense too. And I've actually heard that Piranesi, 
which is a novel that was published in 2020 by Susanna Clark. Oh. I've heard the same thing. Like people who are authors and are entrenched in the genre in all sorts of ways, just saying glowing things about that book too. And I actually think those are the only two novels that she's published, mm. if I'm correct. So it's just whenever the inspiration yeah. strikes her, I guess I don't know her her story, but it's it it's also interesting sounds like a lot of work goes into like, these books yes. as well. Because not only are you writing this like capital L kind of literature language, you're also doing a at least for Jonathan Strange and Mister Norell, it's a period piece kind of. So you have to right at least be familiar with the setting i don't know how factual or detailed that gets but my understanding it is like a really like that's a large part of the fun of it is its setting yeah no it sounds interesting and has some of those like historical fiction elements i guess but of course with fantasy stuff going on in it so it's it's appealing to me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. i'm yeah, you're not making this choice easy. I'll <laughs> tell you that, Charles. I, nope, but I I'll, think we're at that part of the show, Dylan, where that choice has to come. Do okay, you have any other well, questions or thoughts before we get there? Like, talk us through it, man. Well, yeah, that's basically what I'm going to do is pull up <laughs> Michael Scott uh, from The Office and just be like, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going. <laughs> and I just find it along the way. Cause I'm hoping that I'll just start talking and figure out what makes sense to choose here. So, uh, I, I think that we're just talking about Jonathan stranger, Miss Norrell. I want to read that super badly and I will. I mean, that's just a, that's just a fact that I will get to reading Jonathan stranger, Mr. Norrell. And that will, be something that when I do, I would love to have it be a thing that you and I are talking about on the show, Charles. Who, Sounds like who would you're I rather not chat about this it. with? <laughs> Sounds like I'm not picking it though. And and really, more than anything, I'm gonna be frank with you here, Charles. It is because of the length. Yeah, it I is mean, pretty long. We're in the middle of we're uh, we're reading Eye of the World right now, and we'll record that next. And we're in the middle of this. Wheel of Time, Buddy Read, and uh, that's going to be a lot of long books. And then First Law also, I mean, shorter, but lots of books to read there. So if nothing else, if I can narrow it down to to relatively short books and the longer one isn't sticking out as like the thing we have to read right now, yeah, I'm kind of in a place where that's I'm, like, fair. I'm in the mood for something a little bit shorter. That's fair. So, uh, you know, we'll We'll get to Jonathan Stranger, Mr. Morell. <laughs> so then it, one day. And then it's between these other two. It's like yeah. a Wizard of Earthsea. I'm super drawn by these, these big picture themes diving into. And we spoke about this idea of like a book that fantasy authors tend to really enjoy and I think you can definitely say that about Wizard of Earthsea. I've heard other folks in addition to of course the two you mentioned uh, two greats in the genre and Robin Hobb and a friend of the show Mark Lawrence Mm -hmm. and their endorsement of course our friend on social media platforms Wise Fools endorsement your endorsement Charles I mean that makes a really compelling case for that one. Yeah, And then we have the Hobbit, where 
it's like, I mean, it's a hobbit, right? It's like, it, <laughs> yeah. like you always say, like, oh, well, Dylan, if nothing else, you got to put respect on the name Tolkien. And yeah. I always do. I mean, even when I'm reading about ruffians <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm still reading about the ruffians <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't know what's free. happening here. I'm like, or <laughs> I'm reading this really long conversation with Treebeard. I'm like, okay this person did so much to help establish what fantasy is right now. And I respect and understand. And I love the, I love Tolkien's work for that or what I've read so far. All that being said, Charles, I do think that I'm more interested in getting into a wizard of earth. Yes. By Susanna. (laughs) I'm, I totally, uh, butchered that by Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. Um, uh, I, wow. yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to get into this basically since Wise Fool brought up. I didn't think it was like a immediate pressing one that we'd necessarily get to soon, but you'd bring, you brought it up, you talked about these like existential themes, these themes of power, all this kind of stuff. And to pack all of that into, I think, a big thing, yeah, I was thinking about length, and I didn't realize that this is even shorter than the Hobbit. So yeah. it's like Hobbit, probably the big one, of the biggest things going for it besides like, yeah, I got to read all the Lord of the Rings stuff and whatnot and appreciate Tolkien is like, well, super short. And then it's like, well, I'm, I'm more intrigued if I'm being honest by these ideas that I want to explore through wow. a wizard of earth. Sea. So, I think that's my choice, Charles. I think that's what we'll be getting into. Wow. Wizard of Earthsea. You know, like when I said it was the shortest at 56,000 words and you were like, wow, really? I was like, he might pick that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, he's either going to be in the mood for Jonathan Strange or not. Like that was always kind of the wild card. But I was like, you know, he was in the mood and it struck him just right. Like that's the standout one. So that would be an easy choice. But I was like, yeah, the length might turn him off. But then I genuinely did not know if you were going to go for yeah. Wizard of Earthsea or The Hobbit. Like, I knew we had some conversation on the Twittersphere about Earthsea. So I knew that was tempting for you. But I didn't know. I didn't know where it was going to go. But it doesn't, you know, I think you made a very good choice. I'm excited to reread this personally. It's been several years since I've cracked the cover on this one i mean i've reread the hobbit a bunch of times but i've only read Wizard of earth sea once so i'm excited to get into it yeah i mean it's it's awesome to have this classic on the tbr now officially charles i think <laughs> you know one way or another a lot of what ends up happening with the friends pitching fantasies is you make me read some of the classics that I've put off for too long. And in the end, I find I, I do usually end up appreciating them and thanking you for it, Charles. So thank <laughs> you again for <laughs> getting me to officially add a Wizard of Earthsea to our TBR here at the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. Oh, my pleasure, Dylan. And thank you for pitching your series as well. Fans that were listening to tune in. Yeah, friends that were listening to this episode and not the first one. Check out the last episode we published where Dylan pitches his three series. You're not going to want to miss that. And to figure out 
the reading order for these two series, well, you're just going to have to go onto social media, onto Twitter. And once we get that sweet, sweet outro music going, we will tell you exactly how to do that. Are you ready, sir? Yeah. No virtual coin flip for our wonderful listeners today. I'm so, so sorry. If uh, you, you guys got to write in if that. you missed the coin flip. Cause... Yes. <laughs> Send us. <laughs> well, you'll I'm tell open to bringing it back, but I like putting it out to the fans. I Me like too. that. So I like letting them decide. Yeah. I think that sounds like fun. Just next time, yeah. bring these up to me off the air first before you go ahead and <laughs> make me say these things <laughs> but you know what we decided on air very exciting stuff for the show so yes podcast logistics everyone's favorite topic <laughs> on the friends talking fantasy podcast but speaking of podcast logistics yes a podcast always has to end with that sweet, sweet outro music. It's just part of those logistics. So that's wonderful, Charles. Tell them where, we, where they can find us. <laughs> All right. Well, they can find us over on Twitter. If you want to take part in the reading order for these series, you got to go to Twitter to do it. And that's at the FDF podcast with a number one at the end. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF podcast. You can always shoot us an email at dftfpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, if you wanted to support the show, um, and Dylan, I'm going to ask you this because I think some people might be interested in the answer. Uh, you're on Apple Podcasts. You're listening. You like the show. I want to support it in a free and easy way. What can we do? Just scroll down on that Apple Podcast page and toss five stars to our podcast. Just go down till you see those stars. Click five of them, ideally. And you can even leave us a review. Uh, we'll definitely read that and appreciate it if you do have the time. But just listening, getting to this point where you're hearing me ramble about stars and reviews, that is more than enough. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you so, so much for listening, guys. You made it to the end. Love you for it. As always, go forth and conquer, friends.